Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. Bud, we will thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Title sponsor of the Nullcast and those who make all that we do possible. So big thank you to them, and we will jump into our Notre Dame game preview. So uh, this will be an interesting conversation. We'll certainly be as honest with you as possible and uh, give you an idea as to how we see things playing out. Starting at 7.30 on Saturday night, but 7.30 Saturday night, NBC. That's right, man. Uh, another primetime game for the Knowles. I, I feel like every game FSU plays is primetime, which is normally awesome, but sometimes when you play like they've been playing, you know, maybe not so awesome, but at least it's going to be on national TV. We, we won't have to be texting each other to try to find a login to watch the game, like I know a lot of folks were uh, last Saturday. Yeah, 7.30 on NBC, current line is uh, 20 or 20 and a half. It opened 21. So FSU took a little bit of money there over under of 52. So an implied score of 36, 16, roughly. Obviously, not, not a great shot for FSU to win this, but, but not a, not a, not a game where there is absolutely no shot, but it's, it's pretty low. I mean, you, you, you can, you can get a pretty, pretty good number if you want to bet the money line on this. Uh, but we were t- we were chatting before we hit record tonight, and I'm pretty impressed that the other uh, weather is going to cooperate. It's early October, so it should be should be nice, man. You, you told me what low of 58, I think it is. Yeah, I think low of 58. Probably, I imagine probably 62, 63 kickoff, about 10 mile an hour wind. So I'm sure you'll see plenty of pretty long sleeves from the gentlemen wearing white out there. Uh, but nothing, nothing of uh, no climate conditions that should make anybody. <laughs> question their ability to play football, I'll put it that way. It'd be pretty ideal football weather, in my opinion, but be great to watch, as you said, in BC there. A 7.30 primetime game. Florida State may be rough and, and had a couple couple tough years here, but certainly the helmet and the brand ring true, and, uh, you know, for the, for the second time in three games, we find ourselves turning on the TV at primetime to, to watch Florida State play Notre Dame. Let's do it, man. Uh, Florida State leads the all-time series Six to three. Uh, there's been some pretty good kind of vintage games back and forth in in, in this series. I mean, obviously, the the for, for our younger listeners who, who may not be aware, uh, FSU Notre Dame was actually the first college game day game that was an on site game. Right, that was a a big deal back then, and this was the first time that they went on campus to to do a game. FSU narrowly loses as as Charlie Ward's pass is knocked away in the end zone as time expires. FSU goes on to win the national title in 1993, regardless, because Boston College ends up beating Notre Dame on a short field goal the week after. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know if they were using the term letdown game at the time, but most certainly uh, that was a letdown spot, if, if ever there was one, with, with college kids uh, overlooking a you know a, a, an obvious opponent the next week after celebrating the, the big win that they had over the Knowles. FSU's gotten revenge a couple times, uh, obviously, uh, you know, a couple of recent wins. The 2011 Champ Sports Bowl, where we, we spoke about this, I think, three podcasts ago, where, where FSU went almost all young offensive linemen in the bowl game. And then also the uh, the 2014 game where Brian Kelly's head turned absolutely purple, yelling at the refs a couple of times, including on the final play, which uh, which was not a pick, but... Uh, Credit credit to the staff for planting the seed in the uh, in the official's head uh, it, for that. Yeah, so. it, it, excuse me. It was a pick. It was close to not being a pick. 
I, I, I said that backwards. Apologies. I don't want to, don't want to get feedback on that because I, I would certainly deserve it. So yeah, man, a lot, a lot of really cool, a lot, a lot of really cool vintage stuff in this series. And it's neat that Notre Dame is, is more involved than ever in the conference. Maybe at some point they'll actually join. Absolutely. So we won't, you know, we'll just, we'll pause ever so briefly to, as we're talking about classic memories of games and, and vintage things, um, we're, we mentioned this on social media, but we're going to be partnering with the apparel company Homefield. Uh, really great stuff. If you're not otherwise familiar with them, uh, just Google Homefield Apparel. They are, I don't think I'm ruining any surprises, but on Saturday, they are officially announcing uh, the Florida State line of shirts that they've secured. It is kind of vintage type clothing with uh, the official licensing of the university. So it's a great combination. You know, if you're looking to get things for, for Christmas, if you're looking to take care of friends, you know, obviously we're Florida State focused and and going to uh, the line of material that they have for FSU is really cool. We've seen what they're doing, uh, but they've got great selections. They've got great stuff. If you have Auburn people in your family, Big Ten schools, they almost have covered exclusively. Uh, fantastic stuff. Great people. They're going to be bringing you our instant reaction podcast from here on out. And uh, just want to announce our relationship with them, something we're real excited about. And uh, keep your eyes peeled towards our social media feeds. If you are so interested, we'll have a lot of things like coupon codes and, and more details to follow. It's, it's awesome stuff. If you've ever been jealous that your buddies can find like old vintage stuff uh, for, for their schools, most likely they've been getting it from Homefield. And now she's part of that Homefield family. And we're excited to partner with Homefield. So be sure to check them out. With that, man, let's go ahead and, and get into FSU's offense, which we're all really excited to see that this new offense, which has kind of changed mid-year against the Notre Dame defense. Uh, this this part of the show brought to you by No Loans, Shannon Young, and Chad, 844-FSU-LOAN. Find out why over 80 NOLCAST listeners have chosen them, including, hey, man, shout out to our newest newest homeowners, Matt and Joanna of Tallahassee used Shannon, and he, he emailed me today to get, get him some shirts. I'm going to get those sent out. 844-FSU-LOAN, give Shannon a call. Awesome experience getting my loan and my refi done through them as well as everybody in the Nolcast family, seemingly. So, all right. A breakdown of the Notre Dame defense begins now. Uh, Notre Dame runs a 4-2-5 defense. They're coordinated by Clark Lee. Clark Lee is one of the rising stars in the coaching field. Kind of doubt he gets a head coaching job this year since, obviously, uh, COVID is most likely going to prevent quite a few uh, jobs from opening because schools are having to you know, furlough employees and, and cut budgets like crazy. They don't necessarily have a whole lot of money to pay buyouts uh, for the most part, but he's definitely a name to know if you're some, one of these folks who likes to follow college football as, as, as a whole, as opposed to just the Knowles. Really good defensive coordinator, creative guy, uh, is able to, to you know, get pressure without over blitzing and, uh, and, and does a, a really nice job for them. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat this, guys. Uh, Notre Dame is one of the best defenses in the country. Um, 10 of their 11 starters are seniors or uh, graduate level players. Notre Dame does this weird thing where they list on the depth chart uh, instead of your your playing year, your your year in school. I think them and Stanford also do this. It's quite annoying, but basically, ten out of eleven guys on, on Notre Dame's depth chart depth chart have at least three or four years in the program, and uh, so that's that's not a great sign for FSU's kind of developing offense, if you will. Uh, the defensive line is all seniors or graduate players, and they all have good size. Their defensive ends are about two seventy, so. Uh, they're, they're pretty good at setting the edge. That's going to be something to watch for here in this ball game as FSU tries to run some of their inside zone and counter stuff. 
we'll see how well the tackles and tight ends hold up on the edge. The you know, tight end play blocking wise this year for FSU has really not been much of a strength, but that's something we kind of expect going in. After UCLA transfer tight end Jordan Wilson went down uh, for the season. Two key names to know here. All right. Uh, first is uh, Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa. I know that's a mouthful, but I've had to say it a couple times on the Barton and Bud podcast. Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa, he's like their safety linebacker hybrid. Uh, he's really, really freaking good, man. He is fast. He's physical. He's pretty instinctive. He has enough size. I mean, he's like probably close to 220. And he's a player that uh, I, I feel like will most likely be a problem for the Knowles because A, it's, it's, it's hard to get him blocked. And B, Notre Dame is able to do a lot of creative stuff with him. He, he's never doing exactly what, what, what you think he's doing. Or, well, I mean, sometimes probably is. You're, you're going to guess right once in a while, but like they, they're able to really mix it up what, what they do with him, whether they blitz, whether he's in coverage, man zone, if he's playing, playing a robber concept. You know, is he a spill guy? Are they falling the ball to him? There's a lot of different stuff he can do. His versatility is a big time asset for this Notre Dame defense, which, uh, by the way, I probably should have said this at the jump, but, uh, Notre Dame is fifth in the country in SP plus defense right now. So they're not just like pretty good. Like this is a really good defensive unit with, without a whole lot of, of obvious weaknesses. And, uh, Owusu Koromoa is not the only stud they have, man. They, they, they got some guys at basically every level of this defense. No, they do. I mean, the only question I have is that maybe their corners aren't great, but uh, their safeties are really good. And whether Cormo is lined up as a, as something that you traditionally identify as a safety or a linebacker or whatever hybrid position uh, you want to call, depending on scheme, Kyle Hamilton is more your traditional safety and really freaking good as well. A uh, guy who's coming off an injury, uh, but has some potential to be drafted in the first round or certainly the front half of the second round. The spine of the defense, really the entirety of the defense is very good. If there's a weakness, I think it may be uh, on the outside. I don't know that Florida State's particularly well tooled to exploit that at this point in time, but maybe, uh, you know, we'll certainly see. But just a really solid unit that Florida State <clears throat> is not up until this point all that explosive and not trying to be haters or pessimistic or anything else. I just don't think that's probably going to be changing a whole lot on Saturday night either. I completely agree with you. Like, there's a lot of things that Notre Dame does defensively that FSU's new offense is not particularly uh, equipped. I guess could be the word to to handle. There, there are going to be some opportunities here. Obviously, like, like it, first of all, Notre Dame has not really seen the extent of what FSU wants to do here offensively. So, from that perspective, maybe it can help you. Uh, FSU has been a good scripted offense team so far. Very limited sample set. Obviously, three games uh, under Mike Marvell. Two of the three games, their, their script came out and looked on fire. The one game, I, I think Rodemaker Rod was just uh, was just overwhelmed at, at you know to be honest there in, in his first start. So I have a hard time judging that necessarily. Hell, they got James Blackman to look pretty good on when the team was on script, and he, and he you know looked poor in the rest of the uh, of the time. I, I I think this is something that we need to say, but like we, we spoke about how. Moving the offense to Jordan Travis uh, could help you get some more wins this year. But Ingram, this is not a game that we profiled as particularly winnable in the preseason. I think you and I both had it as our second least likely win, second only to Clemson. Uh, and to be honest, like the margin is fairly close in, in my mind, given that you know this game is at Notre Dame and FSU uh, hosts Clemson. 
fairly close and certainly drops off precipitously as to whoever. I think you had Miami, I had UNC, whatever. We had a flip-flop. Uh, man, look, I mean, I mean, we'll get into it, but here, here's what we knew three months ago. Uh, <laughs> their defense was going to be really good, and their offensive line was going to be one of the better units in the country. That is a, that's a tough combination for Florida State right now. So, um, like you said, we do think that there are games that installing this offense with Travis will give you a chance to win, give you a chance to be competitive in. And uh, really, I think we have to kind of look at this game to try to find the glimmers of how that extrapolates moving forward. You know, I, I just don't see Florida State having a whole lot of success running the game or running the ball in, in any form or fashion in this game. And, and even if it is Travis and, and if we, you know, turn on the TV or, or find ourselves watching the TV and there's seven minutes left in the third quarter and Florida State's established any modicum of a respectable run game, then, man, we can make projections that we may be down 17 points or Florida State may be down, you know, 14 points, 16 points. But if if there are things like that from this game, I think uh, I think there's, you know, there may be some stuff that we could take away from this game, uh, despite the fact that both of us are fairly confident as to what the the ultimate outcome is. I would agree with that. I do think there's maybe a, maybe a chance to hit hit some play action shots here on, on Notre Dame. In, in looking at their defense, one of the areas where they are not elite at yet, and this is small sample theater, guys. Like, like I'm not going to sit here and tell you like this defense is bad at this, but so far, now they've only played two games, which we should note, right? Because they had a COVID shutdown. They, they've only played Duke and and USF, and, and I. I do think there's a decent chance that FSU's offense is as good as those two offenses and maybe better, right? I mean, Duke's offense has done nothing all year against some okay and then bad competition. USF's offense is an offense that I'm extremely confident that FSU is better than. USF's offense is like not as good as FSU's scout team offense. I'm like, they're real, real bad. They only put up 65 yards on Notre Dame before garbage time. It was just painful. <laughs> they had, I know they had a couple punt snaps over their head and stuff, but one thing Notre Dame has done this year is that they have allowed some explosive plays. In fact, a, a decent number of them. Uh, they are one of the worst in the country as far as like explosive play allowed. But two things. Number one, we know that that's not a stat that stabilizes real early in the season, so it's, it's, a, it's a very noisy stat. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that it will continue. Also, if you're looking for reasons why they might be ranked that way, uh, Kyle Hamilton missed some time. They're, 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 you know, first round safety that you just spoke about. I have to think that they are probably going to give up fewer explosive plays if, if he's in there and, and he's, he's back now for him. You know, knowing that, um, I don't know if that's necessarily a sustainable thing that we can count on that FSU is going to be able to score explosive plays. Uh, additionally, we talk about different metrics that stabilize early that we can say, okay, this, de- this defense is good or bad at this and certain ones that take a long time to stabilize. Explosive play percentage is one of the least stable ones. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of reps to stabilize. Success rate does not. Okay. Like success rate stabilizes fairly early and Notre Dame's defense is second in the nation in success rate allowed. Again, part of that's playing USF, which is just totally incompetent. But that's still really good. FSU's offense, in comparison, is actually not that bad in success rate. They're, they're 27th in success rate nationally. You believe that? 27th, which is okay. Here's the problem. 
Uh, they're 74th in explosive play percentage. So I would say actually both of these things suggest that maybe Notre Dame's defense is better than, than it's shown. And maybe Florida State's offense is a little bit better than it's shown because I, I do have a hard time thinking if you, if you have FSU's athletes that you should remain 74th in explosive play percentage. Maybe Notre Dame will get greedy in this game and, and try to try to blitz a lot and, and maybe give FSU some one-on-ones down the field. One of the main keys, though, is going to be does Notre Dame have to commit like a lot of extra guys to the run? There's the classic picture that we've seen, if you recall, which I, I know you do, because I'm pretty sure I was the one who tweeted the screenshot of this you know, three years ago, where Notre Dame is, is it's like a first and 10 in the second quarter, and they only have five guys in the box <laughs> against a four-wide set. It's about as disrespectful of a thing as you could do on a football field without actually touching someone. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you're, there's a whole lot of <laughs> FU undercurrent and lining up in that type of formation and just telling a team to uh, try their best. Try their best. Right. And we, we just knew that they, they couldn't block those guys. So Notre Dame did not need to commit extra guys to the run. If Notre Dame has or is able to do so again, and I don't think they'll be able to do so quite to that extent because this line is certainly better than the 2018 offensive line. and I, I think it's been making strides in, under Coach Alex Atkins. We couldn't block Miami at all. And Notre Dame is kind of one of those teams that we ID'd preseason as you really probably can't block them. So there is a chance here that Notre Dame can defend your offense playing too high shell. And if that's the case, it's basically, you know, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Uh, because, you know, if you, if you <laughs> kind of, you, you can have your cake and eat it too. Uh, if, if you're that Notre Dame defense, if you can get them to commit, come up against the run, then you may be able to hit some of your play action pass game, uh, which Jordan Travis did a decent job of. Uh, if you can't, then I think you, and there's a decent chance you can't. Um, if you can't run, you know, like, like have success on those early downs, this is where what we talked about last, last, uh, last Tuesday or last, sorry, Monday night. This is where it comes in. We, we didn't see Jordan Travis throw basically at all in passing downs. I think they only threw two passes on third down at all when he was in there. There's a pretty good chance that Notre Dame is going to be able to force FSU, uh, into a lot of negative down and distance leverage situations where Go ahead and run it if you want. Like you're, you're not going to actually be successful. You may get some yards, but you're not going to get conversions on it. Uh, and where th- they're going to be playing pass, and Jordan Travis may be a better passer than I think, than you think, than the coaches initially thought because he you know, he was injured, than the last staff thought, than Louisville thought. But I will be surprised if he carves up Notre Dame in obvious passing down situations. I, I think you probably will be as well. So. One of the things I'm looking for here is how, how much can FSU avoid those obvious passing situations? We were talking about punting against the Kansas City Chiefs and, and how it doesn't really, I don't know if you saw my tweet on this. Like there's a, a, some good stats showing that it doesn't really help you at all because they just go down the field and score. And people are like, why, why would you ever punt to, to Mahomes? And my thought was, well, because you're not always trying to win the game. Okay. Some coaches are, are trying to win the game and some coaches are trying to balance having a shot to win the game, but also having a shot to not get totally blown out. Okay, there's image management and, and that that goal that you have to manage with the goal of actually winning the game. And that that's something that I think you will, you may see on, on Saturday. If they run the ball, you know, quarterback sweep type stuff on, on third and 11 and get seven yards and punt, is that a success? 
by the by the metrics, no. By the fact that 30 more seconds are going to go off the clock and, and the field is, is potentially you know a little bit longer for Notre Dame to have to go, sure. That'll be something to watch there. I think we have a couple listener questions on, on the offense too, right? Mac writes that Norvell mentioned that Travis had only taken about 20 snaps in practice before the Jacksonville State game. He also mentioned Travis was very similar to the QB he had at ASU. Do you think this left them with a limited amount of plays that they felt comfortable running with him? If, in that case... Do you think with a full week of practice as the number one guy, we see a lot more variety and similar offense to what Norvell ran at his time at Arizona State? I would say you might see some more variety. Um, I don't know. Like if you're Norvell and, and you watch Notre Dame and you think, okay, we really don't have much of a shot to win this game, or at least not a good shot to win it. Do you want to bust out trick plays and things? I probably don't. I probably try to run most of my base offense, try to get Jordan more comfortable in running that offense and ultimately like save those trick plays for games, which, which might be winnable. You know, you're not going to be what happened the last time you ran a trick play. Right. I think you may try to do a, a few wrinkles. Like you mentioned in the, in the statement before to, to look competitive, to keep this team on a, on a path where you're trying to take them. You know, you, you realize if you run a halfback pass or something like that, you're probably not going to win the game. Okay. Maybe you pick up a 28-yard play when you desperately need it, and it allows you to get a little bit of momentum, and and you know maybe you maybe you kick a field goal, maybe you get some uh, minor gains here. I, you know, I, I realize this may not be fun to listen to, uh, but it's it's part, and we're not <laughs> we're not speaking in cliche, but it is part of the climb. It's part of the transformation. It's part of trying to find uh, a respectable football team, and and I may be jumping ahead here, but the you know, do not get embarrassed. The, the whole thing when we talked about the Miami game was, look, you know you can get embarrassed. Go down there and play in a manner to not get embarrassed. And you know how good their offensive line is. You know how good the defense is. Uh, it's, it's really incumbent upon the players to, uh, to do what they can, and, and it'll be interesting to see how much Norvell tries to supplement that with any kind of uh, exotics or, or special plays or anything else. But as of right now, one special, uh, one trick play run, at least that I can immediately remember, uh, one very embarrassing interception thrown. And I think part of Max's question, too, is implied in it is, is the idea that Jordan can throw, right? And we talked about this on the last show. We saw him throw some screens. We, throw, we saw him throw, like, you know, just deep ball, throw it over everybody's head. We didn't really see him drop back and read the defense at all. You know, we, we saw play action. There's also going to be a natural, like we could be playing Notre Dame this week and Clemson next week. And if Travis is the quarterback, you're going to see kind of a natural expansion of what you ask of him or what you feel comfortable with him doing in the offense, just because obviously assuming he stays healthy through these games, he's like the number of snaps we've seen him take, what what plays have been called. Uh, it's only going to naturally expand. Uh, I think it, it may be kind of interesting to see the rate at which they do that and uh, and how much of this offense looks, you know, kind of tailored for Travis and, and uh, you know, we'll ultimately what that looks like against a team that's as, as good, at least on that side of the ball, as Notre Dame is. I'm interested to see how much they, they actually think they can expand this offense uh, under Jordan. Um, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think he's a full Wildcat quarterback. I, I think he has more throwing capability than that, but... You know, at the same time, it does strike me that they they didn't drop him back at all, just for re- like just you know drop back pass attempts. Like 
against Jacksonville State. You know, and I'm interested to see. I'll be watching in this game specifically how Florida State does on passing downs, second and seven plus, third and five plus. How do they do in in those downs? Do they show any semblance of of life of being able to pass protect? I think we know the answer here, but I, but maybe we don't. I'm, I'm very interested to see how how they do with that. You want to go? Uh, you want to talk a little FSU defense here? We, we've done almost almost 30 minutes on the offense, I think. Yeah, let's pivot over to the defense. And as we do, we will thank our friends at Congruity. Uh, Matt Lewis and his team have uh, joined us, and and we've been ever so fortunate. And as would you uh, to contact Matt and see what Congruity can do for your business. Experience your business optimized uh, is what Congruity brings to the table with highly customized HR solutions designed to enhance your brand, save time, save money, and reduce business risk. Requested a demo by calling Matt at 844-247-4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com. Okay, so Ingram, Hit me with hit me with the Notre Dame offense stuff. Okay, Notre Dame offense stuff. Uh, Notre Dame is really, really freaking good. I'll start at that. I don't know that we necessarily. I know we have reservations about how accurate PFF's grades are transitioning from pros to to college, but not only do they have Notre Dame's offense line as the number one line in the country, but it is by a quantitative uh, amount. And again, they've only played two games, and the uh, teams that they played have to be considered, but. Notre Dame runs a uh, smash mouth spread pretty consistently good, maybe not excellent, uh, but it'll be fascinating to see what they look like. This is a team, and I know we're being repetitive here, only played two games, haven't played in three weeks. This, in many ways, is, is almost another season opener for them. So, you know, you can look at it from the standpoint that maybe they've had a chance to, to rest up, heal, um, install some, some more things, or the fact that they may very well have some, some rust on them. So, I'm fascinated to see what their offense looks like. I could see where, you know, we might have a couple a couple series here where there's a bit of a stalemate as uh, both offenses try to find themselves. But uh, once offense, once Notre Dame gets going, and it's just going to be real tough for Florida State to stop. Uh, Ian Book is somebody that most of our listeners will be fairly familiar with. Pretty mobile quarterback, not exceptionally mobile, but uh, good enough to create space and time for himself. Arm is good, but not exceptional. Is is kind of all those things that we just talked about as far as mobile and and pretty well armed, and at the same time is is kind of a game manager in a in a complimentary mode or a complimentary uh, expression. That's not the backhanded compliment that that maybe some get. Uh, he's not going to give the ball away. Not a guy who uh, makes a whole lot of stupid decisions. Just a good quarterback who is. Uh, you know, gonna gonna sit behind that offensive line, both uh, both in the sense of throwing the ball and kind of rest behind that offensive line when he leans on the running game, and uh, not probably not gonna. If Florida State springs any kind of miraculous upset, I highly doubt it's because Book throws three interceptions or something like that. Yeah, he doesn't really seem to to put the ball in harm's way all that often, I and mean, occasionally he'll, he'll have a bad game. Uh, but for, for the most part, he, he's a pretty good. College quarterback. I mean, he doesn't strike me as like an obvious NFL guy. He's not somebody who's going to win a national championship at, at like a Clemson or a Notre Dame. You know, if you put him on some of those Bama teams that have won titles, you know, like could he be a Mac Jones for you? Potentially, sure. He's good enough to do what they do. He's not really good enough to elevate them from 
like their top 15 quality offense to, you know, like a top three or top four quality offense. I, I don't think because they, you know, he really doesn't put the ball down the field accurately very well, or at least to this point in his career, he's, he's not done, not done a great job of it. Uh, you did mention the offensive line. Man, this, this unit is good. Like they, they are fun to watch. If you like good offensive line play, um, like Liam Eikenberg is, is, is an all American. Aaron Banks, you know, another senior for them. Jarrett Patterson is, is a young guy in the group as a junior. Uh, Tommy Kramer is a very good player for them at right guard. Robert Hainsey uh, was an IMG kid, you know, decent player. I don't think he's like the best player in the world, but certainly, um, he might be the best player on at the shoes line if, if he was in Tallahassee. So, you know, like just a, a very, very solid offensive line group for Notre Dame. It gets consistent movement at the point of attack. It plays together well. It pass protects well. Um, this is, I mean, I don't know what else we want to say about this line. Like they're going to have advantages, if not across the board at, at multiple, multiple spots. And, and I feel like there, there's not a whole lot of one-on-one matchups against this offensive line you know, that you really feel great. Uh, it will be by far the best line if she's played all year. And it honestly, I, I think it's the best offensive line on the schedule. I, I know NC States has been pretty good at times this year, but I don't know that I totally buy them yet. And I think it's better than Clemson's offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's the best line you'll see. I think it's, uh, you know, memo to, to the defensive line and, and some of the guys that have been some of the larger frustration points for the season, you know, go out and play. Uh, or, or run the real risk of getting embarrassed, and and maybe you get, you know, maybe you get a performance from some some guys who have their back against the wall. Maybe you see all these previews that you know, basically are humiliating Florida State's defense and, and defensive line in particular for what they've looked like and what Notre Dame's offensive line has a chance to do to them. I, I don't know. I mean, it'll just be fascinating to watch and see if there's any kind of you know what for or, or resolve or or where some of these guys' pride is because if they don't. You know, and not speaking all coach cliche and everything else, but if you don't strap it on and, and buckle up and play to your best ability on Saturday night, you you can get the hell uh, out of you embarrassed and and put on your back more times. Yeah, and and for these guys who have NFL aspirations, I mean, this is going to be one of the tapes that the NFL scouts watch, right? Because they understand that Notre Dame has several future pros on their offensive line. So they're, they're going to be watching you and saying, "Huh." Okay, this is how you look when when you play a, a pro, which you know should be motivation for guys like 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 Marvin Wilson and Kando and and Durden and and th- those type of guys up front who who are, are hoping to play this game for a living at the next level and who have had either you know injured or or embarrassing years uh, so far. Uh, like like this is a, this is a money game for Marvin Wilson. He's played poorly so far this year, and if he comes out and balls out against Notre Dame, I, I think a lot of a lot of that poor play will be ignored or forgiven by the NFL and say, okay, look, maybe he wasn't in the best of shape to start the year, right? Maybe he was still finding himself with, with the new defensive scheme, you know, whatever excuse you want to make for it. We, uh, we mentioned, you know, the history of this rivalry, if you want to label it a rivalry or, or series, certainly, and, you know, how we're excited to pair with our friends at home field and we're thinking about the 93 game and stuff like that. If I tell you that the running backs maybe the best back they've had since Jerome Bettis or Ricky Williams, you think that's silly talk? I mean, he's he's a ridiculously good football player, and I don't just want to sit here and spew hyperbole about uh, Notre Dame and their offense in particular. But uh, Williams is a 
is a damn good back and and not just a great runner with the ball does does some of the small things that you look for picks up uh, the blitz real well just a smart intelligent player who uh, I've been nothing but impressed with he has explosion um he is a tough runner between the tackles despite the fact that he's only 59 um I mean they don't run a whole lot of you know a gap runs but they he definitely is able to run between the tackles, he has the speed to get outside. He's he's a physical runner for his size. I mean, he's five nine, probably one hundred ninety five. He's a pretty serious player, man, and and somebody who I think you'll hear his name called quite a bit on on Saturday night. I mean, we we knew there was a uh, you know a, a big time um, big time player coming into Notre Dame in Chris Tyree, you know, who who was a, a four or five star. Recruit coming out and, and, and he held off Tyree and, and is it he's a really good like this looks like an NFL back to me so I'm um, I'm excited to watch him kind of like watching him against other teams but uh, I'm excited to see if she try to stop him right like this is part of the part of the journey back to the top potentially for the Knowles and we're gonna have to see how they how they handle Kyron Williams if there's one aspect of Notre Dame's team this year which has not been not been very good I, I guess there's two right they, they've allowed explosive plays. Which may not be sustainable, and the, the the explosive plays they have allowed have been absolutely huge. And we know that there's a lot of random noise in like how big your explosive plays allowed are. You know, you have some control over how many explosives you allow. You have less control over whether you allow like an 80 yarder or a 50 yarder. You know, it's at some point it's just kind of there's some variance. So we talked about that part earlier, but they also they are not uh, potential like they're not very good at creating explosive plays on offense. This is kind of a, like, despite the fact that we just talked about Kyron Williams being explosive, and, and, and he is, like, they're not really creating explosive plays through the air uh, to their receivers. They, they are one of the, the worst in terms of air yards per pass. Uh, you know, they're, they're, like, adjusted yards per attempt is not that good. And, and part of that, I, I believe, is that Book's arm is it's just not special. He's not able to really push the ball down the field very well. Um, he needs guys to be very open if he's going to throw the deep ball, kind of like Jordan Travis, to be honest. I mean, the, the ball Travis threw, like against the Power 5 team, it was caught for a deep ball, but against the P5 team, it's, it's probably bad down or picked off. Is this the Helton throw you're saying, his first touchdown pass? Uh, yeah, like the, the one that was kind of in, in just behind two defenders. Notre Dame has not done a good job of getting the ball down the field. And ultimately... Like that's something they have to improve. We'll see if they can do that against FSU. I think there are some reasons to think they can, and maybe some reasons to think they can't. Uh, number one, as far as the think they can perspective, they've been hampered by receiver injuries for for much of the year. Uh, they didn't have Braden Lindsey or Kevin Austin in their first game, and then uh, uh, Ben. Uh, I always butcher this name, even when he was a recruit. Uh, Skowernek is uh, w- was also out. Both those guys are expected back now for for the Irish. That you know they have Javon McKinley on the other side. He's not necessarily a great deep threat for them. I don't think Kevin Austin is is playing this week. He's like third on their depth chart, which probably suggests he's maybe going to need another week off for them. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend resting him strongly. By the way, I, I, I don't think he needs to go this week. Uh, but so part of that I think is they've had limited ability at receiver out there like their receive their starters are, are not amazing but the backups certainly don't offer much at this point you know but now now they got some guys back we'll see how much they look to push the ball down the field off the play action game if they want to i think they can get some wide open looks against fsu 
if, if they want to go play action hard and early, you know FSU knows how good this run game is. You know they're going to be geared up to try to stop the run game. Um, but Notre Dame so far this year has been kind of a slow plotting offense, right? They, they don't go that fast. They, they're very efficient underneath. Like they're 17th in success rate and 41st in explosiveness. The thing is, if, they, if all they want to do is just take the underneath stuff against FSU's defense, then they'll have, they'll have a field day with it. Because FSU is 68th in success rate allowed in the country. And they're 12th in explosiveness allowed. Like FSU does not really allow big plays. Notre Dame does not really hit big plays. FSU allows a ton of small plays that are successful repeatedly over and over again until the opponent enters the the red zone. And then they also allowed him to continue to have success in the red zone, you know, then up until the point where the opponent scores and then they have to kick the ball off back to the Knolls. So I'm interested to see, like, does FSU try to come up and challenge them more knowing that, that they, if they don't, they really have no chance in this game. Can they be more aggressive? Uh, We've spoken many podcasts about how I, I don't really think this defense looks well coached so far. Right. Like I understand there are limitations. They really can't play man coverage with, with, with the backers they have, but in their zone coverage stuff that they don't, they don't pass guys off. Well, they don't seem to communicate. They don't seem to know their assignments. Like they, they don't look well coached to me yet, particularly at linebacker and in the secondary. Uh, you know, the defensive line has been a massive underachieving unit so far. Like your defensive ends have got to play better than, than they have, but I don't know how much talent you really have there. I do think you have talent at deep tackle and that, that talent right now is not not playing to the standard. So we'll see how aggressive, you know, FSU wants to be. Uh, I should note that Notre Dame, if, if sometimes will go double tights and uh, both their tight ends, I think are guys who, who could be NFL players. I mean, that's kind of a nice bonus for them. <laughs> They're a hard team to blitz. Like you noticed, or like you noted, they have you know, their, their backs are good in pass protection and their tight ends help them chip pretty well. And they keep book pretty clean. For the most part, occasionally he'll actually run into some sacks, which are unnecessary. And, you know, he's mobile, but he's not always like the best guy in, in the pocket, right? He does, he does some stuff that doesn't make, doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense when, when, when I watch him and runs himself into some pressure. So that's, that's kind of the rundown there. I do think you have a couple teams coming up on this schedule. And this is a larger point I want to make that are, are really good RPO teams. Notre Dame can, can be a good RPO team. We know that North Carolina is going to run about a billion RPOs on you. And Louisville also can do it with, uh, with, with Cunningham at QB. You know, Pitt's not a huge RPO team. NC State, uh, not a ton. Clemson can if they want to, but again, I don't really care what they run. Like that's, you know, not really within reach this year. And Duke will RPO some. So you do have some some opponents coming up who who, who played the RPO game pretty hard, uh, and and this could be a three game stretch where I'm very interested to see how FSU elects to play some of this stuff, and and that could be a lesson that we have going forward when we when we, when we do the rewatch of this game and try to figure out you know what their defensive call was on this and, and how they tried to play this or that look. So I'm I'm interested in finding that out. Uh, a lot to a lot to look forward to, and a lot for us to kind of try to glean from a game that we think that you know you may not necessarily have the the best chance of winning. So uh, those are the conditions with which uh, we've kind of tried to describe. You know, we'll thank our friends at Madison Social who uh, make everything that we do possible and have done so since day one. Want to remind all of you uh, that regardless of the outcome on Saturday night, that the seventeenth of each month is Reuben Day, and that that is right around the corner. 
at this point. So uh, that is looking like a wild Reuben Saturday, uh, bud, that could really get sideways for people uh, next weekend. So put it on your calendar. Uh, remember to stop by and enjoy, whether it be Township, Madison Social, or Centrale. Three great, great options down there in College Town. And a big thank you uh, to Matt and his team and also to you, the listener, for the uh, support that you've shown our sponsor uh, during some very trying times over the last five or six months. So, uh, But let's jump into our kind of goals and what we would view as uh, as a success when when watching this game come Saturday night. Yeah, guys. So obviously get down to Mad So to watch the game if you are local or happen to be visiting Tallahassee. Just, just an awesome, awesome overall experience. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and th- this one is third on my sheet. Right. I, I want to see no garbage time before the fourth quarter. I do not want to be firing up the podcast at halftime. Okay. Garbage time. Yeah. Like that wasn't Please fun. No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming on board, Homefield. Uh, we're, we're doing the halftime instant react. It, it did not work out well for you. We define garbage time as, as 38 points anytime in the first half, 28 points in the third quarter, or 22 points. In the fourth quarter. Now, look, I absolutely understand this game could get out of hand and, and you, you could have, you could be down 28 with 20 minutes to go. All right. I, I, I could see it. You know, 22 in the fourth quarter. I mean, duh, the line is 20. I could totally see it. So the main one I want to see here is no garbage time before the 40 minute mark, right? Like that, that to me is something that, that I feel like is, is a goal. You need to show you can hang with Notre Dame for two-thirds of this game before it is just completely and mathematically out of reach. Uh, I, I think that would go a long way. And that would, that would Mike Norvell talks about how he wants to see fight in this team. And he was pissed off today about, about practice. I mean, I don't know if you saw the comments, but uh, he, he was not happy with, with, with their effort and, and with their preparation. And, you know, look, that could be coach speak, but it also could be him trying to light a fire under his guys and saying, hey, like, you guys got to learn there's a standard to, to prepare to, and there's a standard to play to. And so we'll see. So that, that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of my first main goal here. Um, as far as an offensive YPP, we kind of talked uh, earlier in the day and kind of kicked around numbers. And I think we, we said 4.2 and then we both kind of looked at each other like, yeah, that might be a little, that might be mildly optimistic. So Before I, garbage time. Yeah. Just have it start with four or more. That would be ideal, but uh, get, get let let four be the first number as to what you're doing from a YPP perspective prior to garbage time. I think that would be a, you know, it would be a significant sign of a step forward. So uh, fascinated to see what they do with Travis with the idea that he's going to be your guy uh, for a full week. What the, what the play, what the, uh, I'm really fascinated to see what the script looks like, bud, uh, to see, you know, what, kind of 15 plays or so they have in mind as to how to best link them, uh, inner, you know, inner, uh, together with Travis skills. Uh, there's going to be some, some fun things to look for, but if, uh, if at the end of the third quarter, we're looking at Florida state's YPP and we've got a four or more, then that's a, that's a big step in the right direction. I would agree with you there. Yeah. Um, hell, like maybe they can create some explosive plays with, with some misdirection stuff with, with, with some pass plays I'll, off of the run option stuff that they're trying to use in, in this you know spread option offense and and uh, so another offensive goal for me is is uh, I want to see multiple first downs through the air on passing downs like more than one give me two or three passing down situations where you're, where you're throwing complete 
on non-screens. Give me some semblance of hope that if you're going to run Jordan Travis out there, that he can actually drop back and read a defense at least a little bit. Putting the ball downfield and making the the right decisions uh, accordingly. Yeah, 100%. Multiple. So give, give me give me at least two before garbage time passes where we're completing them for first downs on third and five plus, you know, second and eight plus. That's, that's something big to me there. Slide over to the defense. Um, yeah, I'm just going to echo what you said at the risk of being repetitive. I mean, this is hard for us to, to put in, an, in a numbers, but I know I've said this throughout the night. Do not get embarrassed. Show some pride. Show, you know, on the first or second series, have a linebacker come and make a tackle for loss of one or something like that. Show a defense that is playing like it knows that it'll get embarrassed if it doesn't play with, a, with an aggressive tone that we haven't otherwise seen. Look, if you, if you hold under day, if you hold Notre Dame to under six from a YPP perspective before garbage time, I know that's a big number, but I would I would still consider that a success and a a step in the right direction. I would agree. Uh, you know, the, the other thing I want to see, man, I want to see two three and outs before garbage time. Is that is that unreasonable that you're able to actually buck up as a defense and maybe get a tackle for loss or knock Notre Dame off schedule or or get a pass break up? Or, or not allow every single drive to, to feature multiple first downs. I want to see two three and outs. So that's, that's going to be one of my goals, two three and outs. See, I think we started off by saying no garbage time in the fourth quarter, and that, uh, you know, um, please let us hit that one, please, uh, for, for everybody's perspective. I agree. All right. Uh, do you want to go uh, – you, you want to give a score prediction in this? I, I don't know what to predict because I don't know if Notre Dame is going to try to step on the gas, you know, how much they really want to work on, on their deep passing game in this game. Yeah, or what they look like coming after off a, a bye – or not a bye, a, a series of weeks without playing. Uh, according to Kelly, everybody in their, you know, top 22 from a depth perspective is, is going to go. So I don't think some of the lingering COVID issues that they have – are necessarily going to, you know, lead to a significantly weakened roster. 38-16, somewhere in there. I mean, I know that's kind of in line with where where Vegas is on this, but I could see, you know, give or take a couple points there. Uh, low low 40s, high 30s for Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, maybe Florida State kicks a couple fuel goals and a, and a touchdown, gets into the mid-teens. All right, so you're going to give Notre Dame a cover. Uh, I will as well. I'll go uh, 35-13. All right, so that's... That's that's pretty fair. Ultimately, from a, from a wagering perspective, I think there's a, there's an obvious argument to take to take Notre Dame here if if you if you believe that they're going to try to step on the gas and and work on their explosive plays with with their receivers coming back. The argument against that would basically be if FSU is able to have some success running the football, the clock's going to run. We know Notre Dame is a pretty run heavy team anyway, so the clock's going to run for them, and uh, you know maybe that limits possessions in the game. Maybe you're playing a a 9, 10, 11 possession ball game as opposed to something more, you know, 13, 14, 15 or, or more. I think this, this could be a decent game to, to wager on live, to be honest, to, to be able to take a look. And the things I would look for are like, is Mike Norvell going to try to push tempo? You know, that we spoke about, are you trying to win the game or are you trying to balance not getting blown out with also some chance to win the game? I think that's important here, right? Like, are, I want to see what they do on, on, on the first drive. I want to see. Who's actually in the lineup for the Irish, and what kind of tempo Notre Dame plays with? But this this could definitely be be a situational play here in game. I, I know Ingram likes the the first half under a pretty good bit, which I I actually think is is a smart 
smart look here at, uh, at under 27 and a half uh, as it sits tonight. So I guess with that, you like you think the offense, the first team defense for Notre Dame probably is not going to give up a whole lot of points to FSU's offense, but the clock might run enough to where it's... Clock might run. They might run into a couple of, a couple of hiccups as they kind of try to bring their offense back online. Now, any, any subject matter tied to... Uh, to gambling, I'd certainly listen to the other voice on this podcast more than mine. But uh, the first half line, first half under, I can you know I can see a couple of situations where you hit that, and that's if I were to uh, you know somebody point a gun at my head, say put a hundred dollars down on the game, that's the direction that I would do it. All right, man, enjoyed it, and I hope hope uh, look, guys, if this is depressing, I get it, but we're chronicling the climb here, and that's what we're going to do each week, and, and look for some positives. Set some reasonable goals, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys can can enjoy them. Follow along with them. Maybe tweet at us if, if FSU hits those goals. Let's go go ahead and tweet us. Hey, man, there there was the second uh, you know second pass completion for a first down in, in a passing down. Absolutely. And when Asante Samuel stands in front, of, steps in front of an out route and takes it back for a touchdown, everybody can tweet at me that I'm a clown. And there's book giving us points uh, when otherwise wasn't expected. So I encourage it. I uh, ask for it. And uh, I only hope that it comes true on Saturday night. No doubt, buddy. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles. Go Knowles.